This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Hello. Hello. Are you going to sing to me? Honestly, no. Do you want to know why? Why? Because you're going to go see Ratatouille at the, at the drive-in without me. You're going to be in Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> Even Colorado. if I wanted to bring you, <laughs> I could I could take a quick jet. <laughs> you want to come back right quick? Yeah, I'll come and back go right, right back over. Be yeah. like, guys, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I have to leave. <laughs> I have to. I have to go see Ratatouille. <laughs> I have a very important engagement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's insane to me that you're that you're going on a second date. Uh, with someone to go see Ratatouille. I feel like that's first date territory. No, 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 no. I don't sit in a car with someone uh, on a first date. Oh my God, you're so right. That would require you to like not feel like they're going to murder you in your sleep. Well, that and also I just feel like that's a terrible like position to get to know somebody <laughs> in. <laughs> you're staring forward. Yeah, and but you're also like, but we should be talking about each other but i guess i'll watch the movie that's true also you're just viewing me in profile the whole time which is like no one's most flattering no. angle. <laughs> i don't think it's anyone's most flattering no angle. it's really hard to pose it's hard to pose profile. you have to like have your chin up all the time and yeah, like who yeah. does that you know i know it's like in 101 dominations it, okay tell me more how is it like that okay i saw this reel on instagram because i'm not on tiktok guys right, i'm sorry right. uh of what are the dogs' names in 101 Dalmatians? The parents? The, the dogs, oh, Jessica. I don't know. They start, it starts with a P. Pongo. Pongo is the parent, the dog parents. No, Pongo is the dog. Are the dog parents. Pongo. As in the mother and the oh. father of the 101 oh. Dalmatians. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's take it back. Let's take it back. Pongo and Perdita. Yes. These are the two main dogs. Yes, the two correct. Main dogs. If Have you seen the movie, the live action movie? With Glenn Close? Yes. Obviously. The way that they act in that movie. I mean, <laughs> it's a fucking Oscar worthy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was watching a reel of this, of like just the scene. Oh my God, that scene. That scene where the two dogs find out that their 101 Dalmatians are gone. Yeah. The acting. So in what way is this similar to sitting in profile to somebody for an entire movie? Uh, I failed to see the connection. Well, because, okay. (laughs) So in that movie, Uh in that scene when they find out that they've lost all of their Dalmatians, which I'm aware that I'm saying Dalmatians wrong. Yeah, it's Dalmatians. There's no, it's, it's... there's no getting around it anymore. I can't hear it the correct way in my head. It's rolling around in there like a fucking marble. I think there is. You've just given up. I've given up. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so these two larger domnations, Pongo and the other one. Perdita. Yes, Perdita. <laughs> girl boss. Girl boss Perdita. Perdita. Hashtag girl boss bitch. Hashtag spots. Uh, she, she's a career woman. Anyway, she, she lost all her her all of her puppies and so they're like looking down and like looking straight at the at you know at their dog parents right, right, right? right yeah, yeah and like they like look up and they're like their their snouts are like pointed up at the sky uh-huh. and they're like why god like why are our all of our dalmatians <laughs> gone god. yes <laughs> but it made me think of that because their profiles are magnificent oh that was such a convolute. You could have literally said that that reminded you of anybody looking up at anything. <laughs> no, but no, but these dogs specifically, oh, right, right, specifically, have gorgeous profiles. But well, human beings don't. So I think some do. I disagree. Okay, well, it's like there's the poster for Cruel Summer. Do you yeah. know Cruel Summer on yeah. Hulu? Uh-huh. I just finished watching it. It's it's insane. It's like a fucking soap opera, but okay. like teens. And um, like the poster is their side profiles, right? Like of the two girls in the, in the in the poster, like staring at it. It just it doesn't do anyone any good to to have their only their profile visible. Well, then that enforces my point of do not go on a first date in a vehicle. That's what I'm saying. Don't also, do it. have insurance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you you should sing to me because uh, this is an important episode. <sighs> All right, ready. Yeah, I'm ready. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Yes. Happy birthday oh, yes, to Jessica. Ooh, yeah. Happy <laughs> birthday <laughs> to Wow. Congratulations. You're one year closer to death. Thank you. I'm 26 years old. Not yet because it's still uh, eight days till my birthday. That's true. But this episode is for my birthday. It's coming out the week of my birthday, which means I got to choose what we're doing for this episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she did. Don't lie. I have the text messages. I'll post them on Instagram where you (laughs) said that you liked these movies (laughs) way more than you thought you would. I mean, it's... Where's the lie? <laughs> we must hold her Where's accountable. Where's the lie? I mean, <laughs> this is coming from the person who just finished watching before you came, Rugrats in Paris. Like the a true movie. icon, which means you you recognize good art. I when recognized you see it. cinema when I see it. <laughs> Um, so where's my live action, the Rugrats? Am I right? That sounds scary. That sounds terrifying. Have you seen the animation yes. for the new Rugrats? Yes. It's they the look, stuff of nightmares. They literally <laughs> look like if The Sims was like a horror movie. Yeah, but like three dimensional. But like 3D and disgusting. Like just so bad. It's really bad. Like I could do a better job and I can't even draw a dog. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's like the first Toy Story when you look back on it now and you're yeah. like, oh my God. You're like, That's kind of unsettling. It looks terrifying. You're like, Woody, you okay, buddy? Like, I mean, Sid's animation is the scariest. Sid, part. you look. His fucking face, man. You look terrifying. He literally looks like he got stung by a bee. He like, probably did. That's probably why he's such an asshole. Like a wasp came through and was like, yo, buddy, <laughs> let me Time feast to on you. Let me feast on you. <laughs> uh, well, Monica, mm-hmm. who is it that you allowed me to choose for today? The uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the one, <clears throat> the only, John Travolta. Uh, do that again. Sound more excited. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, much better much better oh my god you're welcome <laughs> that's right i chose to do john travolta because i love him she's really obsessed it's like him and, and only johnny depp and specifically cry baby uh yeah <laughs> i was gonna say like because it's not like she's like it's not like she's she, you know she's into pirates of the caribbean that much no, so. no, no, or no. him it's really oh. just exclusively crybaby <laughs> really if you're an actor who's ever at one point played elvis or a greaser you're on my list basically <laughs> you're on my fucking list yes so we're talking about john travolta i love this man and i'm gonna tell you about him monica why don't you all right you right. fucking freak <laughs> John Joseph Travolta wow. is an American actor, producer, singer, dancer, pilot, and Scientologist. Oh. Oh, that's his one downfall, you guys. I don't know about that. Okay, well. <laughs> his first significant role was as one of Sissy Spacek's bullies in the 1976 horror classic Carrie. Oh. Which, by but the way, around, so good. But around the same time, he landed his breakout role as Vinnie Barbarino on the ABC sitcom <laughs> Welcome Back, Cotter. What the fuck? <laughs> A role that made him one of the hottest daddies of the late 1970s. It's true. It, it's really true. In 1976, he had a hit single titled Let Her In that made it to number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. I have listened to it many times. It's quite good, honestly. Everyone, let her in. (laughs) He starred in Saturday Night Fever and received his first Oscar nomination at the ripe age of 24. He's still one of the youngest Best Actor nominees in Oscars history. I think he's like number five. And he also landed the starring role of Danny Zuko in everyone's favorite movie musical, Grease. Not my favorite movie musical. Shut up, Monica. This is my time. <laughs> <laughs> However, after being the gold, I'm, I'm sorry. I just imagined you feeling like it's so last midnight. Uh. <laughs> 
get it together. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> However, after being the golden boy of the late 1970s, he starred in a series of commercial and critical failures through the 1980s, leading his career to take a serious turn for the worst. Despite commercial success in the early 90s, look who's talking franchise. It wasn't until his role in Tarantino's 1994 hit, Pulp Fiction, for which he got his second Oscar nomination, that his career was revived. Since the late 90s, Travolta's career has been primarily not great, but he did get a Golden Globe nomination in 2016 for his role in American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Oh my God. So that's nice for him. <laughs> when he isn't acting, I would assume he's either hanging out at the Scientology Celebrity Center, he's been a practitioner since 1975, big yikes or flying one of his four aircrafts they shouldn't let him in the sky if he's gonna believe that stuff about the aliens <laughs> he is also the literal daddy to three children and while i do mock him for being a scientologist my heart does go out to the poor guy he lost two partners to breast cancer and also hit one of his children passed away at the age of 16 which is very sad so i want to give him a big hug Jesus, fuck! You ended that on the on the I'm saddest. I'm sorry, note. but we have to we have to make it known. He is a it sympathetic figure. Just be raw and real. <laughs> if we're not raw and real, what are we? Just <laughs> what are we? We're nothing. Also, props to him for really embracing his baldness now in his sixties. Uh, oh yeah, I like that he's not like trying anymore. Yeah, he had plugs for a while. They did not look good. They did not look good. His uh, his Wikipedia photo is one of the worst photos of his It's literally trash. <laughs> it's really bad. Oh, God. Anywho. Anywho, Monica, what is the first movie? Let's talk about the one, the only, my my favorite, my second favorite of the three. Yeah, okay. Saturday Night Fever. Fever, baby. Came out in 1977, written by Norman Wexler. Based on the story, Tribal Rights of the New Saturday Night by Nick Cohn. Directed by John Badham. The ham is bad. <laughs> I would assume maybe Badham. Badham. <laughs> Badham? Madam. <laughs> Anxious about his future after high school, Tony Manero, played by John Travolta, a 19-year-old Italian-American from Brooklyn, tries to escape the harsh reality of his bleak family life by dominating the dance floor at the loco disco i love this i love this accent we're doing it's me tony, tony. monero tony monero it is i full disclosure i'd never fucking seen this movie in my goddamn life okay i want your i want your hot takes first come give them hot to me. take well or your opinions these are not even a remotely hot takes That's okay because i'd never seen the movie and i'm assuming <laughs> everyone else understands this sure, sure, the sure. soundtrack is fire fucking fire holy Gees, shit if you don't like the Gees, Ooh, i don't like you the Gees are all over this fucking movie so i had to look at the soundtrack after i watched this movie because i was like oh my god like who the fuck like who who picked these goddamn songs i think it's considered like one of the top selling movie it, soundtracks oh, of all dude, time it must be uh the suit the suit whoa incredible <laughs> what the fuck incredible what's really funny is like in my research on this film because right, right. i like watch it and then afterwards like yeah as did, we do did a little deep dive on it it's apparently like a fucking classic look like apparently which this coming out of my mouth <laughs> sounds fucking stupid as shit <laughs> but like this is apparently like a super classic iconic suit yeah. that has been like auctioned multiple times and yeah. like and like it's considered like a fucking relic or whatever yeah which is fucking crazy to me it's hilarious because it's not in the movie for very long no like that's the scene when even if you haven't seen saturday night fever you know that you've heard of that scene or you've at least isn't seen it like image. on the on the like cover or yeah, something yeah. yeah it's him doing the little disco pose and so you're like oh this must be a central part of the movie but it's, it's really not, not. <laughs> What's really funny is it's really not. Yeah. <laughs> so those two. And then, you know what? John Travolta can play punky, but lovable. Mm -hmm. Punky, but vulnerable. Yes. Punky, but I don't want to shoot myself. Yes. So yes. I, he, this movie for sure got me like, got me on the Travolta train. Fuck yes. Where I, where Guys, I was not. Before. You heard it here first. Monica's on the Travolta train. I really thought that, you know, in <laughs> in reading the synopsis for this movie yeah. uh, and like the logline and stuff, like I thought it was going to be fucking cheesy as shit. Like I thought he was going to come oh, out yeah. being like, I'm Tony Madero. I'm Tony Madero. Um, <laughs> but he was actually, he actually played him very down to earth and very, he had a lot of like spunk and he was like a little punk ass bitch, mm -hmm. but didn't 
stop that from like letting some vulnerability peek through yes. which i really appreciated yeah um so thank you johnny thank you for my first experience <laughs> with saturday night fever well uh i've seen this movie a few times and i love the beginning because like right off of the bat this film is just like instant vibes he's fucking out here he's strutting down the street on his way to his on the way to his job at the fucking like paint at the paint store, store which by the way <laughs> it threw me off completely i was like what the fuck he has to make money he's he has 19 because he lives for the weekends baby <laughs> he lives for the weekends, weekends baby <laughs> and like this was his fucking like breakout film role this is his movie and you can tell that john travolta is just like owning this role and he has this rhythm in him and he's just like fucking strutting and you're like okay i'm on board i'm on board for the shit that like we're gonna go through with this weird man tony monero like his he has so much charisma but he's also so fucking naive (laughs) and that's a really fun combination when you just see a man who's who lives for the disco (laughs) i'm sorry what (laughs) he lives for the disco he really does (laughs) i think what john travolta does best in this role is making this character relatable even if you in 2021 have no interest in disco have no interest in dancing we're not alive in the 1970s and so you really like can't relate to some of the shit that's going on (laughs) i sure fucking (laughs) can't like even if you don't give a fuck about any of these things you know what it's like to want more for yourself and that's really ultimately like what the movie is all about it's about john travolta realizing that he's it, it, it weirdly reminds me of like part of goodwill hunting where like he realizes that yeah. he's in this he's in this um it's not society but like the circles that he runs in are holding him back and he realizes that he can ask for more and like demand more from himself but feels bad about it and i think that's somewhat something that like everybody can kind of relate to is always like wanting to achieve that dream yeah <laughs> in a one of my notes is like in a lot of ways it reminded me of like cinderella (laughs) (laughs) but not in the sense of like he becomes like it all goes away after the fucking Mm -hmm. midnight or whatever that's really not what it's about but more so about like achieving this life beyond like your own corner yes and beyond again like you said like the circles that you run in and i think john travolta specifically like the flavor that he lends to this role is the experience that he has as a human being uh being so young but also in a way like really wise and like Mm -hmm. kind of about it and understanding like how the business works and like all this stuff sort of like lends to a very nuanced performance that's very mature but also very like boyish and like punkish and like he doesn't make all the right moves no, <laughs> like no absolutely which is, which is really funny because he doesn't miss a beat on the dance floor oh no 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 the di- like the disco is freedom the disco is Monero. fire that is the only place where he feels like actually alive like i love that fucking line it's the, <laughs> when they first get into the disco yeah. and his friends are passing around speed and he's like man you guys can't just get high off dancing <laughs> <laughs> and they're like no and he, but like that's what it is for him he feels fucking alive live because he feels like himself or as like the himself that he perceives him to be at the age of 19 as much as any of us can know exactly who we are at 19 that's absolutely true and i think for in a lot of ways it's a story about freedom it's a story about finding who you are and like shedding all of the parts of you that you hate or all the parts of you that are like holding you back in order to achieve like your highest self or like your your best potential yeah or whatever so i mean what john travolta gives to this movie is is icon right like he's just a fucking icon in this goddamn film he's able to take these like like these juxtaposed ideas of like freedom and also like being confined to certain spaces because of like who he is and like where he comes from exactly but doing it in such a way that's so goddamn like mesmerizing you can't take your eyes off of him i know the entire fucking time also hips (laughs) those fucking hips baby also hips also hips (laughs) i just i think i think why i'm so captivated by him because like I'm not someone who, when I watch movies about like punky teenagers, I'm like not usually into that. No one is. (laughs) But he plays the emotions in such a pure way. Like I think he has such an honesty to him, but he's also having such a good time doing what he's doing. 
but like he's cocky, but he's also lovable and he's also vulnerable. And when things happen to him, things that like to you and I might seem very small, that he feels very deeply, like I'm very impacted by it. Like, uh, like I think of that scene where um, it's right before he goes to the disco for the first time mm. and he's ta- talking to his dad and they're at dinner yes. and he spent all that fucking time doing his hair and his dad smacks him upside the head and he's like, you know, I work on my hair for a long time and he hit it. He hit my hair and he's like really offended in that moment because he cares so much about this and it's like a piece of his identity and he doesn't understand why everyone else doesn't is like can't understand that yeah and to you or I that's like he hit your fucking hair like calm the fuck down Mm -hmm. but in the moment I was like yeah fuck him up (laughs) yeah (laughs) he fucked up your hair yeah he fucked up your hair he's attacking your identity John (laughs) you know I think it's really funny because for a lot of people their hair and their clothes and like their makeup really are their identity yeah and that's not to say like that's not a bad thing at all I think it's just like a fact of life is a lot of people sort of like hold on to these parts of themselves like these small details that like tell people like exactly like who you are where you come from what you're about like again essentially like what your identity is and like him holding on really tightly to these small details that tell everyone like who the fuck this bitch is like i there's something to admire about that in in a tony totally totally and i think the the last thing that i think i'll touch upon with this role is that i think like john does a really good job of making us trust him as we go to these kind of like dark and very complicated corners yeah. of this story. Cause there's some fucking dark shit there's in some dark this shit. movie. There's some, there's some really bad shit. And the one, cause I don't want to, I don't want to get into the worst bits. That's just a big downer. But like, I think one big part of his journey is like his, in terms of like his sexuality mm-hmm. and grappling with like, I'm, I'm like a young year old man <laughs> and, and, i'm a hot blooded teen and i want to like fuck girls but also like i want to respect women but the men around me are not so i don't really know what to do because i'm trying to prove my my manhood but i also just like it's like it's the time in your life when you realize that not every person of the opposite sex is just for like just for love and just for just for consumption (laughs) yeah and you go like oh these people can serve another purpose and especially for a a young man like young men (laughs) and you can see how like conflicted he is because he really likes stephanie the the girl that he ultimately ends up dancing with he really likes her and like he wants her to be with him but he's also like i really respect her and admire her and she's like pushing me to want more for myself and i'm conflicted because like i am conflicted i want to be around her but she doesn't want me and i'm okay with that (laughs) that's really funny i i actually read a bunch of articles in my research of this film about like the misogyny in this film Mm -hmm. and like a lot of articles that sort of were like you know, 1,000 years since this movie came out. How does it stand up to the test of time? Uh, and <laughs> since this movie came out three millennia ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of, you know, people look back on it and are like, maybe it wasn't the best. <laughs> I mean, as far um, as like, you know, misogyny and these like ideals of, sure. of manhood and these ideals of like sexuality and the exploration and like, those those pitfalls and and things like that so yeah uh i wouldn't watch this movie to like become tony (laughs) no 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 no. i don't think he makes the right choices all the time but it is really like fascinating to to, like watch him grapple with that because i think that is another part of this that we can all really relate to and like you seeing all of the tragedy that happens around him through his eyes that ultimately like are the things that make him break out of this world and like it like foreshadows that he is gonna like leave home and move to manhattan etc etc so yeah it's a very mature role played by a very young man that Mm -hmm. had a had a very clean grasp on his style and exactly who and what he was able to give to the table and 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 put out there for the for the populations to see and i think you know a lot of that is like when you're that young, you'll sort of take any job, but also like this specific source material and like the um, the really adult themes in this movie and the way that he navigates them, it just, it 
I, I can only really applaud John Travolta for being able to sort of like tackle this in the way that he did yeah. and come out the other side with as much charisma and style as he did at the end while not missing any of those really intense beats yeah. and not sacrificing style for all of the like pitfalls and tribulations that happen in this movie where he does give totally. these huge glimpses of vulnerability yeah. that exist both within him and outside of him. So yeah. Well, yes. I think, I think unfortunately, like what was happening in his personal life while he was making the movie really colored this performance Amen. because he was like, he'd been with a woman who's like 15 years older than him or something. And they'd been dating for a long time. And oh then God. she like suddenly died of breast cancer while they were filming this movie. And he had to like, oh my God, filming that's terrible to, go to the funeral. And I'm like, no fucking wonder he can play this like weird boyish maturity so well, because unfortunately it's just mirrored in his personal life which fucking sucks but like kudos to you john you pulled an incredible performance out of your ass amen man <laughs> my boy's just destined to lose loved ones uh, genuinely like his his life is really plagued with loss and it, it's so very sad, sad. <laughs> oh my god we i, I, I just want to give you a hug john if you're out there listening if you're out there quit scientology and i'll touch you okay yeah that works <laughs> <laughs> okay so the next movie I would say I would say the sleeper hit of the three. Ooh, this is my favorite of the three. It's a fucking good movie. Aaron, did you like this movie? Did you, you watch didn't watch it? this movie? This is the one I told Monica to make sure you watch because I think you would love this movie. He had no fucking time at it's fine. all. It's fine, but you like do have to watch, to watch this watch movie at some point. Okay, okay, you, he would love it. Anyway, the next film is Blowout, which came out in 1981, written and directed by none other than Brian De Palma. Brian De fucking Palma, and it shows. Anyway, mm -hmm. we'll this get is into a it. Seek Brian De Palma film. We'll get into it. Jack Terry, played by John Travolta, is an audio technician who makes his living by recording sound effects for low-budget horror movies. Late one evening, he is out recording sounds when he serendipitously witnesses and simultaneously records the audio of the assassination of a potential presidential candidate. After saving the life of a woman involved, played by Nancy Allen, curiosity gets the better of him and he begins to unravel the pieces of a nefarious conspiracy. A conspiracy of a the conspiracy. So... <laughs> right off the bat, the opening of this movie mm -hmm. is iconic. It's incredible. You are in instantly, like instantaneously, yeah. transported into the world of a like horny horror disaster movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. A Where low like low budget. Very thrasher. low budget. All the girls are like in like heavy makeup, really big hair, and their and boobs skimpy are out. outfits, their boobs are out. They're they're like showering it's the dorms everyone's giggling everyone's laughing and there's this guy who's like got a knife and he's mm -hmm. like following girls around it's like it's like pov yeah it's pov of him like looking through the windows and seeing all the things that these like i think they're like sorority girls yeah it, it he's like looking in through the windows of like a sorority house yeah. essentially because the movie's called like bloodbath of the co-eds or whatever yeah. the fuck <laughs> <laughs> um and so anyway so just right off the bat it is like transporting you inside the mind and the daily life of John Travolta's character yes. where he's doing these like mind numbing films and sort of his whole angle is that he has way more potential than that. Like he has yeah. more to offer than just being like the sound man yes. of these like <laughs> shitty horny horror movies that feature really low budgets and <laughs> really sad girls the whole the whole setup is that like you get to the end of the scene of this horror movie that you're watching and then this girl she's about to be stabbed and so she lets out the scream and it's the worst fucking scream it's like heard. she's just like ah <laughs> and then it it pulls out and then you see John Travolta sitting in the screening room with the director or whoever the fuck it is. And they're like, we got to get a better scream than this. <laughs> like we have to record and a like, better scream. The director can't believe that it's like her scream. Exactly. And so he's like, cut out all the sound except a scream. <laughs> and then, the, so he cuts out conveniently all yeah. the sound except for the one that's labeled the scream. Yes. <laughs> Which is not how sound works, but okay. <laughs> 
Um, and so anyway, so like we're instantly sort of like transported into this guy's world, which yes. I really appreciate. And there's obviously the stunning shot of John Travolta in his chiseled glory. Oh my God. He looks sitting. so fucking good. It's at peak John Travolta, like long hair John Travolta. Oh yes. the With the like little wave. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. The little like early 1981 waves. Yes. It's so good. And he's this fucking sound nerd. And then the pl- like the plot thickens. The inciting incident is he's out recording these sounds on a bridge and he's like, oh, I'll record this owl. Oh, I'll record this couple talking. I'll record and this then frog. out of nowhere, a car comes like barreling down the highway and he hears a bang and then the car flies into the lake and he's like, oh fuck. And so he drops his sound stuff and he goes and saves the woman, but then someone else in the car dies. Which he didn't realize there was anyone else in the car. Exactly. He just, he saw the woman, clocked the woman, saved the woman and that was kind of that. Exactly. He gets to the fucking hospital and the place is like bananas. The place, yeah. the place has gone cuckoo banana slam. The press is going wild. The press is there. The police is there. (laughs) The hot-blooded staff members of the potential president is there. Everyone's questioning why. Why God? Why is our presidential candidate dead? Because apparently the other guy who was in the car was some kind of a governor. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So this is all the shit that sets up the insane chain of events of this film. (laughs) But what I love about this character for him is, first of all, this is like this is like an audio person's fucking wet dream. This movie. Yeah. Like the way that they do sound in the movie, first of all, incredible. And the way that they show like the work of it is also incredible. But that combined with Brian De Palma's like signature like yeah shots beautiful like it's it's just a stunning dual focus shots he does it like three times in this movie it's his fucking trademark that and the rotating shot which he does at the (laughs) end and the rotating shot at the end with the fireworks in and he's like bananas bananas good bananas foster (laughs) bananas fucking foster it's so good but anyway as i was saying because this is like a sound nerd's dream it's funny because this like this movie and this role is ultimately all about competence. Like yeah. he gets he gets involved in this fucking crime in, in this deep. criminal investigation in deep, because man. he wants to prove that he's competent. And he knows. <laughs> he's like, I know this, okay? I'm I'm in it. Yeah. I'm in it and I know what the fuck I'm doing. Believe me. Believe me. The whole conflict is that when he recorded it and he's going back over the sound that he recorded of the crash, he hears a gunshot before the tire blows out. Exactly. And he's like, oh fuck. So someone shot the tire out. This was an assassination attempt. This was, or success. This was- <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like, I don't know what attempt you saw on this screen. This was an assassination. This wasn't an accident, but mm-hmm. nobody believes him. And that's the whole, that's the whole thing that's going on that's the whole spiel and he's like i must prove that this was an assassination and so you see this like sequence of john travolta as as sound nerd cutting together this like sound reel because again this was like the 80s they used sound reels that scene is so good where he's going back and forth over the sound so many times and a lot of it has to do with just de palma's like deliciousness but mostly Mostly it has to do with like, and sort of my first John Travolta point is like his insane ability to focus yes. and like his, the hyper fixation that he's able to convey with just his eyes and his face mm-hmm. and being able to like suck you into that and yeah. go, no, 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 everyone stop. Look at how important the work I'm doing is. Everyone just shut the fuck up. Like, look at my shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> look at it. Are you looking at it? Great. Let's keep looking at this together. Yeah. It's very engrossing. Like in watching this movie, there was only so much I could do to like get distracted from it right. because he was able to like fucking pull you in. Yeah. He which really is does. not a quality that you get in a lot of folks. And also not one that I think you would think of automatically when you think about John Travolta, which no. is like the whole thing about why I wanted to talk about him in the first place because like people our age especially think of john travolta and they're like grease hairspray wild yeah, timeless tummy <laughs> like oh he's a shit actor but i'm like he's actually he was actually a very good actor there once was, upon a time gather around children there was once a time when mr travolta had talent and was deliciously good and let me tell you 
Like John Travolta had Oscar nominations. Like, you know, he was fucking good. And I think, like you said, he's so focused in this role, but weirdly also like probably the most relaxed I've ever seen him be. It's like just like obsessive and relaxed at the same time. Yeah, he's just like so in his body. Like I said, it all comes back to it all comes back to competence because he's like, this is, this is fucking second nature to me. He's so focused on it, but this is just like, this is who he is. This is how he acts. And he's also like so boyish and so cute on top of it, but he's also very straightforward and there's no pretense to him. It's just like a really fascinating combination of things within this character to create a very three-dimensional character in a story that I think told by anybody else like an uh, like a thriller like this i think in most circumstances the plot would really overshadow the characters and they would kind of just be like little pawns but he's all the characters are really three-dimensional and he really holds his own i think against the insanity of the plot well what's really funny is a, a role like this can very easily turn into like the obsessive mm-hmm. person yes. right it, and and that obsession and like that trait of being like incredibly obsessive and like very sucked into this one thing and mm-hmm. trying to prove usually it's like trying to prove innocence or trying to prove a crime or trying to win a case like usually it's criminal like you know, criminal related or like, or like in a revenge movie, right? Like being so sucked into one thing that they can only really focus on the one thing and do the one thing. Right. And with, you know, with a lot of other actors, it's really easy for, for a trait like that to fucking engulf the performance Mm -hmm. and just make it all about, okay, well that's the obsessive guy. He's obsessed. Right. And with John Travolta, it's so easy for you to be like, and, Right. Like he's obsessed and he's X, Y, Z. Oh yeah. I mean, he's obsessed with that, but also blah, 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 blah. Like it's very easy for me to sort of like see both things happening inside of his head at the same time. And he holds a lot of that in his body and in in his tone of voice when he's like talking Mm -hmm. to the people around him and explaining to them what the fuck's going on because there's a lot of urgency in his voice. But at the same time, this like level of like tranquility and relaxation that exists only when you know what the fuck you're doing. Exactly. When you're calmly explaining to something, someone what the fuck is going on, yes, it's urgent, but because you know what the fuck's going on, people are somewhat at ease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very alarming. Yeah, yeah. And that's why when you finally get to the ending, it's so fucking oh my God. horrible because this man who has the whole time, he's just trying to prove like he's doing the right thing. He knows what he's doing. He knows best. And also like trying to protect this woman at the same time. This he fucking has, he has like complicated feelings about her. Like he kind of likes her, but also she's kind of fucking weird. And she's a part of like a blackmailing scheme. Fucking Audrey <laughs> from Little Shop of Horrors, bitch. Like, oh my God. Like, oh, Jesus. I'm a makeup artist. Oh, you know, well, to make a black eye, all you got to do is put the powder on your face and then, you know, put it there. <laughs> like, shut up. I know. But like, so when you finally get to the end and like, Aaron, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil this film for you. Uh, it's still rewarding. Don't worry. <laughs> so like the tape that proves all of this ultimately gets thrown into a lake because uh, John Lithgow, by Who, the way, a uh, young John Lithgow, super young John Lithgow has all his hair. Uh-huh. What? As a serial killer. So good. Is in this. He fucking chucks this recording into a lake. Chucks it. And then kidnaps Nancy Allen. And Naps he's like her. running to the Liberty Bell. By the way, we're in we're in Philadelphia. Yeah. So there's this whole like B plot about the Liberty Liberty Bell killer. Yes. Who like makes like the way that he marks his his bitches, like the way that he marks the people that he kills yeah. is like by creating the Liberty Liberty Bell with a bunch of little tiny stabs. Yes. As if it was like a little work of art. It's sick and insane. It's horrible, but he only does it to like cover up a cover up that he fucked up. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny, but also really, it's so really, stupid. It's really stupid. Sick. And so like, ultimately like John Travolta is listening because he has a little like earbud in Nancy Allen's ear. And so he's listening the whole time to her, like being kidnapped to her getting murdered. Yeah, her screams. Like yeah. that's all captured Just on the tape. way that they the way that they use sound as like another plot device in this. It's fucking brilliant. It's like its own character. It's so good. And like it just plagues him. And so ultimately he finds her dead fucking body. Yeah. He does not catch the murderer. And then, but he has a recording of her scream. And then he uses the scream in the movie. To overdub the woman. Yeah 
who couldn't scream uh-huh. properly. Who was like, ah. And the last shot of the, of the movie is just him sitting in this screening theater. And he's just like, like fucking wrecked. His face is wrecked. Like R E K K E D wrecked. Listening to this scream. And it's almost like, because he thought he was so fucking competent so clever. and so clever and so smart and he failed he fucking failed at the one thing he prides himself the on old, doing honestly the only thing exactly and so he puts it in the movie almost as like punishment forever yeah, where he has to like always hear it exactly and he puts it in the thing that he fucking hates the most which mm-hmm. is the fact that he does these goddamn movies because he yep. used to do something useful yep which was like or, or what he deemed useful which because i i think be like b horror movies are, are pretty fucking useful <laughs> <laughs> um he you know he used to he used to basically like tap wires yeah. and create like you know recordings for cops like undercover cops that are like going into like bust crime syndicates and like also internal affairs and like that kind of stuff um so he basically puts it in the thing where he's like sentencing himself to like the eternal punishment Mm -hmm. of having to listen to this over and over and over again in the process of making a movie and if you know like when you're making a movie you're watching it you're listening to it and you are recutting it yep every day of your fucking life until uh-huh. it's done for years. It takes yep. years to make a fucking movie. So this guy is just fucking punishing himself yep. like a goddamn rooster. It's fucking brilliant, Brian De Palma. And apparently this is the movie that Tarantino saw John Travolta in and like this is why he wanted Travolta in Pulp Fiction because wanted he saw him. this movie and just... Fucking brilliant. Everything about this movie is amazing. The score is incredible. It is good score. Yes. I like frog in film. Frog is good. (laughs) It's uh, Pino Dinaggio. I think that's how you say his name. Pino Noir. (laughs) Pino the frog. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. This this movie truly blowed me away. <laughs> Go see Blow It. It's on Amazon Prime. It's for freezies. It's yeah. gonna be gone in like like twenty days or something. Yeah, it's it's genuinely a, a sleeper hit. Yeah, she's a sleeper hit. Yeah, commercial failure, critical success. Get on her, baby. Get on her. <laughs> okay, Monica, bring it home. What's the last one? All right, ladies and gents, I'm gonna bring your home. least favorite of the three. <laughs> I know my least favorite of the three, but not by John Travolta's fault. I know. Uh, it's someone else's fault. <laughs> someone who really likes feet. Listen, we've talked about one of his movies before already. Best friends. Best friend of Robert Rodriguez. Uh, so this movie is Tropicana Pulp Fiction. Uh, Pulp Fiction came out in 1994, written by Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery, and directed by... Quentin Tarantino. Quentin. Quentin Tarantino. BFF to Robert Rodriguez. Bad actor in in the Mariachi franchise. <laughs> Terrible. All right, Monica, tell us about this movie. All right. Ready, baby? Yeah, I'm ready. Pumpkin, played by Tim Roth, and Honey Bunny, played by Amanda Plummer, are two thieves who, while dining at a coffee shop, decide that the best thing to do is to rob it. <laughs> You're mine now, rabbit. Vincent Vega, played by our boy John Travolta, and Jules Winifield, played by Samuel L. Jackson, two hitmen working for mob kingpin Marcellus Wallace, played by Ving Rhames, are sent to retrieve a very special and very mysterious briefcase for their boss. Vincent has also been tasked with showing the drug-addicted Mia Wallace, played by Uma Thurman, a good time while her husband is out. Butch Coolidge, played by my favorite, Bruce Willis, (laughs) is an aging prizefighter who's being paid to quote-unquote take a dive, but instead accidentally kills his opponent and tries to flee town, but not before getting his dead father's lucky golden watch. These seemingly unrelated stories intertwine as four tales of violence and redemption, not unlike Love Actually. (laughs) This is exactly like Love Actually. This is basically the same. It's the same exact movie as Love. So like think Love Actually. Yeah. Pero con guns and also Uma. It's also a lot like Valentine's Day. Oh, yes. And also New Year's Eve. And also he's just not that into you. Oh, that one too also. These are all the same movie. It's all the same. (laughs) If you close your eyes, it's all the same movie. (laughs) 
They've all been nominated for Oscars. Yep. It's all good. Yep. 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 Um, well, I know you don't love this movie, but I love this movie. Uh, I love this movie for a lot of reasons. I, I have complicated feelings about Quentin Tarantino, but ultimately I really like the movies he's, he makes. And I think this movie is one of those movies where just like he has perfected that dialogue style of just like it, talking about nothing. He's like defying everything that people tell you not to do when you write a script. That's so true. <laughs> because the dialogue doesn't like move the plot forward very much. It really doesn't. It's so interesting. It's still so engaging to me, at least. I like this movie. What's really fucking funny and the thing that I find very surprising about myself is that I really don't like Tarantino's like that style of dialogue, right? Where you're really talking about nothing and nothing is really moving the plot forward, but the 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 dialogue is there to sort of just like entrance you and suspend your Mm -hmm. disbelief and bring you into that world. And the reason why I'm very surprised at myself and continuously am surprised at myself for not liking that is because it's that I love plays. Yeah. And you love, you love dialogue. And in theater, 90% of the time people are just talking out of their fucking ass, Mm -hmm. having a conversation so that you can suspend your disbelief and just be in the action with the actors. Yeah. And that's what's happening here. But I hate it here. (laughs) thanks i hate it here i I hate it here and so it's just really funny because again it's i don't even know why but i just continue to surprise myself as to why i don't like this style because i like it everywhere else right it's like saying that you don't like tomatoes but you like tomato sauce what the fuck's up with that i mean that's me baby okay see i also don't like cats up yeah, you're fucked up. That's what it is. I'm fucked up in the head, you're man. Fucked up in the head, man. <laughs> I think I think one of the best parts of this like dialogue about nothing specifically is the first scene that you get with Samuel L. Jackson and John That's Travolta. True. Yeah. I do think that in that moment, regardless, it's it's objectively good. It's a, it's objectively a fantastic scene. Because when you juxtapose what they're talking about versus what they're going to do, it's fucking hilarious. Like that's peak comedy, but nobody's laughing. It is platanos. <laughs> <laughs> because they're talking about like fucking what they call Big Macs in France. Yeah. And they're on their way to murder to multiple people. Literally kill people yeah, they're hitmen, and they're talking about fucking mcdonald's uh-huh like it just but not just any mcdonald's like mcdonald's round the world yep yep and and john is just sitting there he's fucking cool calm collected very and again bringing this like relaxed nature to an yeah. otherwise convoluted and insane purpose mm-hmm. right like his life's purpose and his current career choice is to take the life of people around him in various scenarios like in various yeah. crime syndicates in front of his boss's way like whatever it may be it's like chaos follows them and chaos ensues mm-hmm. however he remains like the iceberg waiting for the Titanic to hit him and then becoming completely unbothered yeah <laughs> after the fact and i think it's at least partially because vincent vega is like a little dumb he he's a, he's a very smart hitman but like he's also a little he's dim he's dim he's, dim. he's very dim because he's just sitting there like royale with cheese <laughs> <laughs> royale with cheese <laughs> Like that's the only fight when they get into the apartment to shoot these guys. That's the only line he has because Samuel L. Jackson is the one delivering the whole fucking monologue to that guy, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> and then like John Travolta's just pacing in the background, like poking around in this kitchen. And then, then they ask him the question, like, what do they call a Big Mac in France? He's just like, oh yeah, with cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and he says it, he says it what's really funny is he says it both very ashamed that he knows that and also very proud that he uh-huh, knows that. Uh-huh. And he's like, I bet you don't know this. Bet you don't know this. And then immediately feeling like, oh, well, you know, in, okay. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. It's like when someone is like, does anyone know any fun facts? And you bust out one about like seals or some shit <laughs> or like sea lions. And then like everyone around you's like, mm, cool, cool, Brad. Like, <laughs> And you're like, what cool the fact. fuck? <laughs> like, why That's the fuck exactly did I? Who is. Why didn't I say the one about cookie cheese? Everyone loves cookie cheese. Like, it's a whole thing. So, anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, so Vincent Vega is like this vaguely dim, but like 
he's very, he's just like very like calm and observant and very quiet. And then he's tasked with this thing of like having to take care of Uma Thurman, AKA Mia yeah, Wallace. Essentially not just take care, but like babysit her yeah, and like make and like sure that she, her. make sure she doesn't like get into any trouble. <laughs> and by trouble, meaning like in the way, basically yeah. she, she has to remain out of like out of under people's feet, mm-hmm. um, which is really funny because there's feet all over this fucking movie. Especially Especially Uma's. Uma's feet. Uma's like what? I don't know. She's like a size eight from what I can see. Uma's size eight is all over this fucking movie. I will say though, as much as I hate his love of feet, the one shot of her like crossing her foot behind her back Ugh. is a really good shot. Like it I gotta give it to him. It's a shot. great fucking shot. Yeah. It's her intro shot before you even see her face. You see her little foot cross behind her. Hate my life. It's so fucking good. I hate it here. The intro of Mia Wallace over the intercom is a brilliant character so introduction. Good. And her character is just so like mesmerizing and like so like vaguely interesting yes. and mysterious enough to where you're like, who the fuck is this bitch? Yes. You're like, who is who is she? I wanna do I do I wanna be her friend? Do I wanna be hers? Do, do I hate her? I don't know. Like you don't know. Which is and it's so funny because like Vincent Vega doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give two rats. He's tails. just like there exist it's not even like he doesn't give a shit he's just existing existing and he's just he's there because he has to be he's there because these okay this is this is what fascinates me about john travolta in this movie he is there because of the circumstances by which he is there but Mm -hmm. for no other extent to no other extent to no other end Mm -hmm. right so whenever you see a character on screen and they have their motivations and you're like okay well to what end Mm -hmm. right that question isn't even a question in his mind yeah and that is something that john travolta is able to very easily convey to the audience of like my character is truly just here existing yeah and he is you know if you want to talk about like being present in the moment there is no one like vega being able to just be in the moment exactly and like not even in the sense of like i'm just gonna be in the moment and like enjoy myself like in the sense of like nothing else matters because i'm just doing the task at hand Mm -hmm. and the thing i'm supposed to be doing yeah but there is no to what end exactly which is fascinating yeah and riveting and that's why when you get reactions out of him and i think specifically of the in this section with him and uma thurman they're so good and so riveting like she takes him to this fucking place jackrabbit slims which should be a real fucking restaurant i would go all the time i would go (laughs) and steve buscemi is their waiter i know (laughs) dressed as buddy holly in a very early cameo. Yeah, Steve Buscemi, who Robert and Quentin share. Yes. <laughs> they share him. They pass him between the two. <laughs> you can't have him this weekend. It's my weekend. What? <laughs> they share custody of Steve Buscemi. <laughs> they share custody. But anyway, so John Travolta's just like existing in this weird fucking restaurant. But then like Uma like genuinely perplexes him at various turns. Like when she orders a $5 shake, that's what brings him out of this. And that's the hilarious part is paying $5 for a shake is what, that's what perks his ears up. And he goes, excuse me, you say $5 shake? (laughs) What's in a $5 shake? (laughs) But what's even funnier is the line comes out in the most soft spoken voice. Yes. In like, John Travolta is a walking juxtaposition, mm-hmm. right? He looks very chiseled and angular and very like assuming, mm-hmm. right? The AKA the opposite of unassuming. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and like he could at any point in time have something incredibly important to say. Yeah. Yet when he opens his mouth, it is the most soft spoken, most calm, mm-hmm. most relaxed and most present thing that you will hear all fucking day. Mm -hmm. It is mind fucking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And part of the reason, and may actually be the reason, why most people are so drawn to him. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the added layer of the fact that he's fucking supposed to be high on heroin this entire 
entire time. Because just before going to get Uma, he went to Eric Stoltz's house. Yeah. And, and <laughs> went for it. Who's his drug dealer and just fucking shoots up right there. He shot up. It was casual. It was casual. Super cash. Super, super cash. Casual heroin. Yes. Heroin Friday. You know yes. what I mean? Like, and and for most of the time when he's sitting there talking to Uma, he's not even fucking looking at her. No. He's like looking down, delivering his lines or just reacting. And I really like it really says something about someone to be that captivating to get fucking Oscar nominated for looking down while you're, while you're <laughs> interacting at your goddamn shoes. Yeah, while you're interacting with Uma Thurman. <laughs> Uma Thurman, a.k.a. Poison Ivy. Yes. Do you know who she is? Do you know who she is? <laughs> but because I feel like their characters are similar in weird ways. In such strange and, and unnatural they ways. they do the dance and the dance is amazing. It's an amazing scene. It's just I'm like dancing. an endless scene. And they form this like weird bond and you're just like, okay. Okay, I'm in it. I'm, I'm in fucking it in it, it with these two people. Yeah. Even though like, you know that their time will come to an end shortly, oh, yeah. not like in the sense that they'll both die, but like- the, they, they won't be around. They're not gonna be hanging out it doesn't, anymore. It doesn't happen anymore, yeah. <laughs> they do and, not come to their demise together, guys. Exactly, but I mean, she almost does I mean, because- she ODs. <laughs> because y'all know the shot of her fucking nose. But I digress. But I digress. But like that near-death moment brought them even closer. And so you're just like, wow, we really built a relationship here tonight. There was really that uh, Noah's Ark. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. It's sad because ultimately John Travolta does die in this. He, he dies in the middle of the movie. Yeah, he rests in But peace. because it's told... N- non-linearly mm-hmm. is that a word uh he comes back at the end and has like a really amazing scene with samuel l jackson while they're while they're getting held up in the diner and i love that you're left with like seeing their dynamic because their dynamic is one of the most captivating in the movie because samuel l jackson is like this fucking crazy like borderline whimsical man who quotes from the bible all the time and john travolta just like sits there but then in that last scene he finally gets to speak up and he has this line where he's just like he's like i've got a threshold jules i have a threshold of abuse i'm willing to take i'm willing to take and you're like dude this is the first time you've stood up for yourself in this whole fucking movie this whole goddamn film and it's so funny john travolta is very funny and i don't think he gets enough he doesn't get enough credit for anything he's like sneaky punchy yeah very (laughs) sneaky punchy he like he understands his role within a comedy (laughs) he gets it he just like gets it (laughs) i love this man oh johnny johnny boy well that's john that's johnny t baby uh Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Jessica. I love you, John Travolta. He loves you too. I just, I love, I love Greece. I love it all. <laughs> I'm surprised why you didn't do Greece. I don't have a lot to say about the character of oh Danny God. Zuko. Danny Zuko exists for his hair. Like if we want to talk about Greece as a whole movie, I have a lot to say, but Danny Zuko is kind of an asshole. He's just a really fun character. I don't know. I'm a fan of Peggy Sincox. <laughs> Uh-huh. You mean the wet blanket of the That's movie? my bitch. You would be a Peggy. <laughs> oh, it's Patty. Patty Simcox. Whatever. This fucking- Oh, yeah, you really love her. P. Dot Sincox. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, Monica, what have you dabbled in? I have dabbled in Rugrats in Paris. Oh, do tell. Which I did watch before you came. I wanted to talk a little bit about it because I, in watching it again, realized yeah. how heartwarming it was. Oh, truly. it's really, I remember that movie making me cry when I was a it's kid. It's basically about how Chucky does not have a mom, yes. which Chucky's the one with really like red sad. hair and like the glasses who talks like this. <laughs> Tommy. Tommy Pickles. And so when you like walk in, <laughs> when you walk into this movie. When you enter Rugrats you in Paris. Enter Rugrats in Paris. The VR experience. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you enter Rugrats in Paris, the VR experience. It's like starts with a scene from The Godfather and Angelica is like. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's and. So- <laughs> 
Angelica's like, you come to me on the day of this fucking wedding. Like, <laughs> what the fuck do you want? And and Tommy's like, I want to, you know, my fucking, my brother lost his fucking binky. I mean, they don't, they don't curse. <laughs> my brother lost his fucking binky. And uh, what are you going to do about it, boss? And she's like, I'll see what I can do. And so ch- when it comes to Chucky's turn, he's like, Angelica, I know what I want. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, well, what do you want? And he's like, <laughs> I want to do Bobby. I want to do Bobby. I want to do Bobby. And she's like, okay, well, the game's over, you little bitch. Like, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> but anyway, I fucking love this movie. There's so much that took me back. The Pickleses. Uh-huh. Apparently, the dad is a goddamn mechanical engineer. I never fucking realized that until this. Yeah. Week. And he's living in like, like a like he's not like the richest of all of them, which right. is surprising to me that he's like the chief engineer on like the fucking what's his name Reptar, yeah, the yeah, re- yeah. like giant Reptar robot. But the man isn't the richest of the gang. Capitalism. The one woman is. <laughs> Do you remember? The oh yeah, the Angelica's- career bitch. No, Angelica's mom. Yeah, career bitch. Yes. She's always on the cell phone. Yeah, girl boss. On the cell phone? <laughs> and like and like it shows you know, it's it's a shot of them all on the plane and only yeah, yeah. Angelica and her family are in first class That's and everyone so else rude. is in coach. I'm Classism. just like what happened, man? The members of society that should be earning. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I literally don't even know what Angelica's mom does. So there's no, nothing for me to say she's about just, that. She's a hashtag girl boss. That's all we know. <laughs> she's just a girl boss, guys. Um, <laughs> all I really have to say is that there's there are so many bangers in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just that, but it took me down, down memory lane. It makes me want to watch the first Rugrats movie, you which is just the Rugrats movie. <laughs> <laughs> this one was the Rugrats in Paris movie. <laughs> The, I would say the better of the two, perhaps. Which is really funny because they're in Paris where they spend most of their time in a Tokyo theme park. Yeah. Like a Tokyo-themed theme park. Well, they had to have a reason why, uh, uh, what's his name? Chucky's dad fell in love with like an Asian woman. That's- oh, yeah. That's that's true. Uh, what's her face? What's her name? Her name is like fucking Lisa or Penny or something like that. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. All I know I is- I know her daughter's name is Kimmy. Yes, her daughter's name is Kimmy and she's arguably the cutest of the rugrats. She wears purple cowboy boots. She's so cute. <laughs> Regardless, Chucky's is Chucky's dad is like this like wimpy little shit who like ha- yeah. who like decides to marry this theme park like mogul. Uh-huh. Which is so bizarre. <laughs> and she's like you fucking children, you fucking <laughs> Madame la Bouche. Madame la Bouche. Anyway, whatever. I'm going to stop talking about this fucking movie. Yeah, this what? is just like this is like a fourth movie. <laughs> Sorry. What is your devil, Jessica? <laughs> happy Um, birthday thank you thank you so much uh i mean that was a gift i really i really loved you you're welcome voices i could have watched you do a (laughs) play-by-play of that whole movie all night (laughs) um my dabble is oh okay i have gone to two count of two live comedy performances now since the state of california or the county of los angeles i don't know which one i don't know uh, has opened officially and it was a fucking trip, man. Where did you even go? So the first time I went to the comedy store, um, oh, and who that did was you see? who'd you see? Uh, I went to like they have like these fifteen dollars shows that they do in the belly room where it's it, I I don't want to say that it's like amateur night, but it's like lesser known lesser comedians. Some of them were bad. <laughs> lesser comedians. <laughs> Some of them were really good. Um, and at first I was like, oh, this is so cheap, but they make you do a two drink minimum. So it's really like a $50 show. Oh Jesus. Yeah, I know it's bullshit. <laughs> I hate Los Angeles. <laughs> I know. So we went there and it was like, like max capacity in the theater, like no distancing Damn. masks off. It was fucking wild, but it was so fun. Oh my God. I know. Okay. And then last night I went to an improv show. So my favorite improv group from UCB, their name is big grande. Oh. Um, they, did their first show back and it was free and they passed out like free beer and it was an, in an unair-conditioned theater on Melrose. Dude, I, I know where the UCB theater is. It's not, it wasn't at UCB. It was at a different theater. Oh my God. Yeah, it was at the, the Yard Theater. It's on the part of Melrose that like is almost at Hoover. Okay. Yeah. 
Because I was going to say, I was what I was going to say before you interrupted I'm me, sorry. Because I know where the UCB theater is, and it's not on Melrose. Exactly. <laughs> <You're correct. laughs> yeah, so I went to that, sweated my fucking ass off. Fucking. My fucking. <laughs> my, I sweated my fucking ass. Which, by the way, if you didn't see the ghosts, uh, watch the Matt Damon watch oh. Listen to the Matt Damon episode. Go listen to that. Yeah, it's so good. Listen to E is uh, But you first, you have to watch The Departed first. Back the Departed. <laughs> um, anyway, so we were like, packed in this theater because it was sold out like fucking sardines exactly and they had they had the theater lights on Mm. and everyone was sweating like Mm. genuinely you could see everyone dripping it was disgusting was it it like was it like sweating like harry sweated when he went to go deliver charlotte's papers in sex in the city and he was like sweating not quite that bad but like one of the guys on the improv team like had sweated through his entire shirt that's disgusting and then another one he he like grew his hair out kind of long during covid and it was just sticking wet in the front it was fucking gross but it was such a great time like they didn't ask me if i was vaccinated which i'm not saying that that's a good thing but like it genuinely was the most normal public experience i have had in the last year and a half and i loved it you know what i have not popped that cherry yet like i have not popped the cherry of the quote-unquote like the app the 100 percent like normal experience mm-hmm. quite just yet yeah like um, nobody was masked at any point they didn't ask if you were vaccinated they didn't distance you nothing listen i'm ready to flash my v card whenever wherever whenever wherever you and me together i'll be here you'll be i'll be here and you'll be here <laughs> i mean they're the same lonely, lonely, lonely. <laughs> oh boy and on that note <laughs> do we we don't have a question no do you want to ask me a question oh i'll ask you a question for okay. your birthday okay, okay yeah let me think of one let me think okay, of one okay okay let me ask you 26 questions. Oh, one for every year. Number one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. Yeah. What was your favorite birthday present that you ever got in your life? Oh. And this can be like from the age of zero to the age of 26. This is a really, really hard question. Okay. Well, I've gotten, I my family is very good at gift giving. So I know that I have gotten incredible gifts. Like one year I got a Barbie Lamborghini when I was little, which did. at the time was fucking dope. Oh my God. <laughs> at the age of 18. <laughs> that was my first car. Um. <laughs> a Barbie Lamborghini. But uh, I think the, the first one that comes to mind, at least as my favorite, is for my 16th birthday. Uh, shout out Allison, friend of the pod. My BFF. She friend lives of in the Seattle. Pod. Uh, yeah. So for my 16th birthday, she gave me the script to the breakfast club, which like I was a big John Hughes fan in high school. Oh honey. Like everyone obsessed. was like I was obs- when he died. I cried. Of course she it did. It was awful. <laughs> I had seen all of his movies, but anyway, so she got me the script to the breakfast club and then she wrote me like a really beautiful letter on the inside cover and I still have it. And it was very like Aww. sentimental and sweet. Yeah. It's pretty That's good. really nice. Yeah. I thought it'd be something more fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) You bitch. Like you got like a cupcake, but then the cupcake turned into like a transformer and the transformer took you away. You had an affair. It was back in time and you came back here. My ex-boyfriend, the transformer. You outlived all your children. It was like a whole thing, but it didn't happen that way. You're right. Well, that's something for you to give me next year. (laughs) Okay. You got to outdo them. Let me call up my boy Pickles. (laughs) My mechanical engineer near pickles let him <laughs> let him build me one you know what i mean i know i know and it all goes back to rugrats in paris baby as all as all roads do <laughs> all roads lead back to the rugrats yeah, 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 yeah. well as always monica and don't, don't sue us daddy, daddy favreau. favreau goodbye goodbye <laughs>